everybody. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. Yes, that's your co-host, Brad, over there. And today, we got a, um, we got a good matchup of uh, washed-up superheroes. And I felt like one of these films I saw recently when it came to, um, you know, Prime Video, and I felt like, you know, you know, a good film to put to pair this up with. Uh, I watched Samaritan recently, and I said a good film to pair this up with was Hancock, which I haven't seen in years. And uh, yeah, so how did you how did you feel about this matchup before we get into it? So I actually had not heard about Samaritan, like, or. I had known that Sylvester Stallone did like a superhero movie for Prime, but I hadn't looked into it any more than that. So I didn't know mm. it was like that kind of themed superhero movie. I thought it was trying to more catch off the hype of like Disney. And it was like, oh, good. And Netflix or no, uh, Amazon Prime's trying to start their own superhero universe. OK, whatever. Right. I'll, I'll wait to see what happens with that. But so I was kind of surprised with it that it matched up more with Hancock than I expected. Mm, okay, okay, got you. I understand. These are two films here that um you got a uh, you got mega stars. Uh, one this was like at the at the peak of uh Will Smith's Will Smithdom, which led which lasted I want to say for about two decades straight, where Will Smith was just the man. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh Sylvester Stallone in his um in his is in his season years. But he's still a, a name that can sell a film. And uh, I feel like I, I like comparing those two where it's, it's one guy at the height of his uh, fame that lasted for like, you know, decades on. He almost had a Tom Cruise streak, to be honest, uh, Will Smith. And, um, you know, I, we I got would say this. he still did. He still does, you mean? Well, I mean, it, it if you're talking about like just hard hits of you know, movies and everything like that. I, I would say that he had that same stream, even though his was cut off a little bit shorter. It was still yeah, a long saying. time. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He had a he had a Tom Cruise streak oh, okay. for a while is what I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not doubting that he did. I'm just saying like as like nowadays, it's not as strong as the Tom Cruise streak. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, Sylvester was the, the action guy in the Rambo and Rocky years. Uh, and you know, uh, I think what's another one, Cobra and Cliffhanger and all that. So it, it's nice seeing a person that's in his season years versus the guy that was in his peak, peak box office years comparing these two. And uh, plus, you got the washed up superhero theme. Yeah, I think this, I thought this was an interesting one here. So starting off here, you know, I know, I know Stallone is the more season one in comparison here, but I, I think it's best to go chronological. Just because Hancock came before Samaritan, I like to think Samaritan was somewhat inspired by Hancock. And uh, I don't know. What, what do you think about that decision? Uh, well, you, you know how I feel about us going in chronological order, but I can't argue with you on that one. It, it does make more sense for us to go with it on this episode. But uh, so mm-hmm. I'll let it slide. OK. All right. All right. So we're going to uh, start off with Hancock and uh, I'm, I'm going to pass the baton to you here. Okay, so with uh, the movie of Hancock, we follow the story of John Hancock, played by Will Smith, who is a seasoned superhero who is basically no longer wanting to be a superhero and kind of very reluctantly uses his powers in order to help people. He mostly gets drunk, sleeps on the streets, and kind of ignores most major crimes. Unless it's convenient for him to stop it at that moment. Like, he just happens to catch it going. 
Uh, along the way, he ends up running into Jason Bateman, or uh, Ray Embry, played by Jason Bateman, who is a marketing major who is trying to launch his new career of this Save the Planet initiative and trying to get companies on board with it. After being saved by Hancock, he then decides he's going to help reform Hancock's image in order to make him the superhero that everybody loves instead of the one that everybody just reluctantly has to deal with. That is the bare bones of this movie. Yeah. So I, I like the theme. When I saw this film, I thought it was uh, you know, pretty hilarious. I thought it was a great superhero comedy. Um, in retrospect, though, I like the theme of the forgotten superhero, like the guy that just has powers, you know, truly just doesn't give a shit. And, you know, he he say he like you said, he saves the day when he feels like uh, when it, when it's convenient for him, not mm-hmm. really when he wants to. And I like I feel like there's putting Will Smith in that role. I, I feel like this film, if I hadn't, if I had never saw it, I thought it would run the risk of like not being successful or not working out. But Will Smith plays an asshole well. And oh, he's yeah. Still kinda, and he still has charisma with it at the same time. Yeah, there's a point like as you're watching this movie that you're like, I, I know that he's an asshole and everybody calls him an asshole. But he, I'm loving, there's so much fun with watching him just reluctantly save people. Like, in the case of him saving uh, Ray, Jason Bateman's character, from a train that's coming, he literally steps on his car, who, his car is parked on train tracks, and kind of looks at him like, really, dude? You, you parked on the train tracks, really? What? Why are you here? And literally just flips his car over, so it lands on the car behind him, and just stands there as the train comes in, and it blasts him. It's just a great effect, too, for mm-hmm. the time and everything. And it causes this entire, like, pile up, and Hancock's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm going to leave. While Ray's going, hey, are you happening to pass by this area? Because, like, my car is kind of totaled now due to the whole, like, flipping it over thing. And, you know... Mm-hmm. And I even love during that scene when all the like standby people and everything are like, why didn't you just fly up with the car? Why did you do, you know, and even Ray's like, and, you know, it would have been easier if you just, you know, flew up with my car and stuff. But, you know, you you still save the day, so it's okay. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, I um I, I love the chemistry between Jason Bateman and uh, Will Smith in this film. Like Jason Bateman's always a good time. He, he, it's rare that I see him in a movie where he's not great. Oh, yeah. He has really good comedic timing, and he knows how to, like, lean into the back of a scene instead of being mm-hmm. the forefront of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, speaking of that, you know, Charlie Theron does a great job as Mary. And um, I want to say, not not to give anything, well, this is DFV, we spoil things here, but not to jump too ahead of the gun, but I think Charlie Theron, like I feel like this was one of the films that solidified her as some as an actress that could lead an action film. Like um, I know this came before Fury Road, of course, but mm-hmm. I feel like like films like this paved the way for like Fury Road and um, Atomic Blonde. I I would kind of agree. It definitely is, and you know I I even oh, love the, the old introdu- guard. Yeah. 
But I love her introduction as a character because she Mm -hmm. comes in as Ray's wife and she does not like Hancock. And at first you're like, why doesn't she like? And then slowly it's like, well, she watches the news a lot and the news kind of really pushes a very anti kind of statement against him because he destroys mm-hmm. the city, he runs off, he does his own thing, he never kind of pays for his crimes or the damage that he does. And so it's like, okay, that makes sense why she doesn't like him. Because he's a deadbeat and all of a sudden he's now in her house around their kid. Of course she's not going to be happy with that. And mm-hmm. That right there is like enough reason for you to go, oh, that's obviously why. But we learn later on, oh, there's more to it than that. But it's a great way to fake out that hatred in a way that makes sense. Instead of it being like, oh, it's a mystery why she hates him. We we already think we have an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Speaking about, so I like to, so before we move on to the twist, I like the dynamic between, you know, Hancock and, um, you know, Ray's family, uh, even with, um, you know, like, like Aaron, you know, who was Ray's son, mm-hmm. um, you know, who loves Hancock, you know what I mean? So I like all of this, but I feel like one scene that always like has always like stayed in my, um, in my memory is when, uh, you know, Hancock comes up to a little boy, you know, that calls him an asshole because, Hancock's hate hates being called asshole. He grabs, he says, he says, say say that one more time. He says, ask. Then he, he flips, he, he shoots the kid in the air, and then the kid just comes down and just starts crying. Yeah. I thought that scene has always been hilarious to me. The best thing is like the lead up as he's like, Don't you dare call me. I have a name, you know, don't call me that. And it goes on and then he throws the kid in the air and he's looking up and he's waiting for the kid to come back down. And that's when Ray comes out. It's like, hey, Hancock, you made it here. Let's go inside. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you inside in a minute here. Go, go on inside. It's it's fine. And he's still like looking up and waiting for the kid to fall. And right. Ray's still outside when the kid falls. He catches him, puts him down. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're you're OK. He's OK. It's it's not a big deal. And Ray's like, you you really can't be doing that, man. Ah, come on. <laughs> right, right, right. And um, so heading into the twist here. So I don't know if you know the, the backstory of this uh, film, but it, it came from a spec script uh, uh, written by Vi. Uh, I want to say his last name is, is Yo. Vi Vincent Yo. Uh, it was a spec script called Tonight He Comes. And it was kind of like doing like a... Um, Kind of like a, a sober version of of Superman, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like kind of like a drunk version of Superman, kind of. And seeing the spec strip from what it came to today, um, I mean, for what it is today, you know, Vince Gilligan was brought in to like, I guess, rewrite the script. So I don't know that that twist about them. Well, so the, basically, the twist comes later on that um, you know. Uh, John and Mary used to be, you know, um, husband and wife, and they they kind of like they lose their powers the closer they are together. You know, Hancock got knocked upside the head and became an amnesiac, and uh, he doesn't remember, but Mary remembers. And then ever since then, they've been split up until he ran across Ray. I, I in hindsight, what do you think about that twist? Do you think it works? It. So I'll be honest. The first time that I saw this movie. I remember going, oh, that's a twist I didn't see coming. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. creative. But 
I didn't remember the last third of the movie whatsoever, aside from that <laughs> twist happens. And okay. on this watch of it and everything like that, I was like, okay, I know the twist is coming. I kind of see how they thread it a little bit. And mm-hmm. even when it comes and still like the last third of the movie, I was like, I completely remember why I didn't remember any of this because the movie just tanks in its quality and its narrative as soon as the twist is revealed and it no yeah. longer becomes a fun superhero story because prior to that we get to see like a little bit of the retribution of Hancock as he's becoming like a beloved superhero he's he's taking the notes from Ray and he's wearing a suit and you know he's being nice to people and he's actually like being more cautious of like how he lands and how he flies around and everything like that and mm-hmm. that's it, it's still fun to see that because you, you see it as like a fish out of water story of him like trying to tell good good job good job why would i tell him good job they didn't do anything that's why i'm there mm-hmm. you know and you still see that like him dealing with that and that's fun and then the twist comes and it's like yeah and then when you're together you lose superpowers okay cool so what's gonna be the bad guy oh some guys that he beat up earlier in the movie you know that those are gonna be mm-hmm. the main bad guys in the third act and from there it for me it just it bogs the movie down and it just brings it down from this very fun one to this weird drama that doesn't feel dramatic at all still yeah yeah it it just i feel like the the twist kind of uh bit off more than it can chew because it's like well if she ends up leaving her husband for him then you know she's a jerk if she stays with her husband then this whole twist is pointless because he Mm -hmm. might still be in love with her like it's just it just it just it wrote itself into a hole that it couldn't really write itself out of right they could have easily written it where they were kind of do the same thing as like the superman story of like they came from the same planet or whatever they came from the same experiment but them being near each other does weaken them as a result get rid of the whole like they were lovers thing just they were there together as a part of the experiment or whatever gave them these powers and they can't be around each other done you you then you don't have this weird love triangle thing going. You, you don't have to worry about like, well, what if she go leaves Ray for him? And, you know, she should still be with Ray. And it just there's a lot of ways that they could have handled it a lot better. Mm-hmm. And the way that they went just kind of brings everything to a halt. And just overall, it makes the rest of the movie boring. Hmm. As they like focus on this weird love story that's like, I don't, I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd say the one scene that gets funny after that reveal is uh, when Hancock's like following her around the, around the room and he takes the two pants and smashes it on her head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an unnecessary twist. I, I mean, it, it, I, I see why it's like, hey, let's just throw him a curveball real quick. But then you got the third act with the bank robber, you know, breaking out of prison. And it's just like, I, OK, all oh, this is kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't really matter. The whole thing with them in the hospital and everything like that. And it's like there's I get it. You're trying to create tension, but I don't 
feel any tension from this. Instead, I just feel like this is a lot of jump cutty scenes and I don't understand what's going on anymore. And where where did all the fun from the first two thirds of this movie go? You know, because it was a laughing riot. There was a lot of great humor. There was a lot of good character development and everything just brought to a standstill so they could be like, well, look, they're losing their powers because they're in the hospital together. And here's the bad guys with normal guns that can now affect them because they're losing their powers. And it's like this movie's just it it loses everything that made it feel special. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with you. And one thing I wanted to ask you was, um, so in regards to that, uh, so so in regards to the twist, right? You know, I I feel like the end battle is kind of like whatever. But um, one thing I kind of forgot is how short this movie is. See, I would say that it's a good length because it climbs in at about like an hour and 40 minutes, if I recall. It's just 96 minutes, dude. Oh, okay. I mean, it's 92 minutes. It's an hour and 32 minutes. Oh, okay. This is really short. So, yeah. It, but at the same time, I guess... I didn't think that it was that short, but at the same time, I thought it stayed its welcome. I would have loved to see more of him, you know, more of the first two-thirds of the movie and less of that last third. But mm-hmm. I guess because that last third is so like abrupt and making me go, okay, I'm waiting for the movie to end now. It it's short time frame didn't affect me too much. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's time to rate it here. I feel like this film is is solid for what it does. I, I feel like it's a um it's not the most perfect superhero film, but I feel like Will Smith's charisma carries this. You got a great cast here. And I feel like it's it's overall fun. I give mm-hmm. this a solid 3.5. Yeah, I'm right there with you at a 3.5. If it wasn't for that last third of the movie, this is like a 4, 4.5. But if they could have kept that same tone from the beginning of the movie going forward, it, this would be a classic that everybody would be talking about. But because it just falls right into this weird slump at the end, like I said, I remember the first like two thirds of this movie going into it again. I was like, oh, I I'm gonna, can't wait for this scene and I can't wait for this scene to come up. And this I remember this being funny. But yeah, then it comes to the point where he starts losing his powers. And I'm like, I completely forgot about this part. And I now know why I completely forgot about it. And I'll probably forget about that scene again by the time we're done recording this episode. <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, it's, it's solid for what it is. Um, I, I I put it as a, a nice one-off when it comes to superhero movies. I put it in the same vein as, um, I don't even know if you remember this movie. You remember Mystery Men with Ben oh, Stiller? Yeah. I put it in the same vein as that. Yeah, I, I actually had that on our list to watch at some point, uh, but just couldn't find something to pair it up with so far. We'll find something. It's no problem. Uh, yeah, all right. That brings us to our next film here. We got Samaritan, uh, you know, directed by Julius Avery. And uh, pretty much um, this is like a uh, this is a film that stars Sylvester Stallone. If it um, follows a kid played by uh, Javon Walton from uh, Euphoria and Umbrella Academy, uh, who suspects that his neighbor may be a superhero named Samaritan that, um, you know, 
was was believed to have died many years prior. Um, you know, he lives in a very, I want to say a very dystopian kind of like vision of like a New York City or something. It's called Granite City. But um, he lives in a very dystopian like city where, you know, gangs run the land. Um, crime is up and people, you know, need a hero. Pretty clear cut. And, um, you know, one day, um, you know, uh, the the young man we know, Sam, comes across Samaritan and uh, he sees Samaritan. No, Samaritan saves Sam because Sam uh, gets beat up and uh, Samaritan, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, beats up the, the young gang members that, you know, like harm Sam. And Sam has suspicion that, you know, um, I keep calling him Samaritan. So I mean, that's basically giving it away. But basically, he has he has he has suspicions that Joe is Samaritan because once upon a time, Samaritan and Nemesis, uh, Nemesis was Samaritan's brother, got into a fight, and um, it's believed that Nemesis, uh, you know, killed Samaritan, or, or didn't didn't Samaritan like disappear after? What, what what's the what's the story? The story was that Nemesis had created a weapon capable of killing Samaritan, and he right. had managed to do so. And in doing so, he had ended up killing himself as well. Okay, gotcha. So oh, yeah, both of them happened. were gone, but there was still the rumors that, of course, Nemesis couldn't have created a weapon to kill Samaritan, so Samaritan must be out there somewhere still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so that that's the story. Um, and that's pretty much the plot line of Samar- that Samaritan. Plus, we got um, my man, I don't know how to say his name, but my man that played Euron in Game of Thrones, uh, Pelo Asbake, uh, who plays uh, Cyrus, who crowns himself as the new nemesis. He calls himself Nemesis 2, or we call him Nemesis 2. Yep. So we got we got that. And, you know, he you know, Sam works for Cyrus, but he's very wary of Cyrus um, because he's a bad guy. And so that's the plot line. Yeah. Uh, I think it needs to be said right away with this one, uh, considering you already gave away that Joe is Samaritan, that we're going to go into spoilers on this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is DFV. They know already. <laughs> so, but yeah, with this movie, you had mentioned that you had seen this one already prior to this, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was my first time going into this one. So... I wasn't exactly expecting it to be kind of the rundown superhero kind of esque movie that it was. And I love the opening of it. I will say that right away that kind of like comic book storyboard telling of like the, you know, bright colors and everything of like the story of Samaritan and Nemesis, these two super powered brothers that work together to fight, you know, evil until something came between them and they turned on each other and then the magical weapon and killing. And then the whole lead up with Sam, like believing that every person that's strong is Samaritan uh, we even have like the YouTube guy who creates like the mystery files of like, oh, the Samaritan's out here, and here's the proof. Right, right. And right. Sam continually like goes to him and uh, played by Martin Starr, which I absolutely love that Martin Starr comes in as like this, uh, you know, conspiracy theorist in this that the Samaritan is still alive. But Sam continually goes to him with theories of like, oh man, I know I've met Samaritan. And it's like, is it the janitor again? Do you still think your janitor is the Samaritan? Well, no, this time it's a garbage man. Okay, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my store, please. 
Right, right, right. You could tell that he's he's come with him about this before. Right. But yeah, it's it definitely when it comes to the beginning of this movie, it has a really good setup for everything where, you know, mm-hmm. obviously we know that Joe is the Samaritan and everything because it's played by Sylvester Stallone. If they were to fake that out and turns out it was somebody else, that'd be a completely different movie. But even the yeah, first scene yeah. that we see him like fighting and everything like that, you, you can see like the old age of mm. Sylvester Stallone in these scenes and as a result a Samaritan <laughs> and he's just a very like slow moving and yeah, you, you know <laughs> you, you could tell he's up there oh yeah <laughs> but at the same time there's still some good action scenes mm-hmm. uh, yeah I mean yeah I, I think the action scenes are very well done I think Julius Avery um, does a great job directing them he had done a previous film I had meant to watch called Overlord, but yeah, he he handles the material very well. Um, as far as like uh, so as we're moving along, I like the relationship between um, you know, Joe and uh, Sam, you know, because uh, I feel like Joe is like you know he he's he's a little bit of like I mean I mean Sam is a little bit like that annoying kid, but he's a good sidekick to Joe. Like you know, Joe is like a. Uh, He's a guy that he he has the usual Sylvester Stallone charm. You know what I mean? He's like a more smarter uh, Balboa. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because you know, uh, he he's like a more like like reclusive Balboa. Let me put let me put it that way. So the 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 role sells. Sylvester sells the role. Um, but you know, I I think overall a film like this, I feel like the villain was strong. But I didn't really know where all this was really going. I know I know there was going to be something that was going to connect to how Samaritan, the final fight between Samaritan and Nemesis and what really happened. Like, I knew there was going to be some reveal there. But as the film goes along, we kind of run into a Hancock problem where it's like, where, where are we going? I would say that it is similar to Hancock, but it falls into a different hole of problems because... It, it falls into like the problems of tropes, like every kind of like reversal trope is in this movie, every kind of like, oh, here's the bad guy doing the bad guy stuff is just so tropish in this movie. You know, here's the little kid crime lords and everything like that, that get Sam into it. And yeah, when their thing goes wrong, they try and blame it all on Sam and say Sam did it wrong when they did it wrong. It's like, OK, cool move on uh then you have like the crime boss being like oh i can tell that you're really into this kid and you know you got what it takes to be a part of this and it's like okay keep going movie keep you're gonna have an interesting idea eventually i promise you there's got to be something creative in here eventually that hits right, right, right and then you have the other one where they're going okay we know that he's a samaritan so let's send some of my just regular goons after this super powered dude okay movie it, come on creative idea how are they going to show that they're evil oh they're going to steal a ball from a kid oh movie you're you're catching me in all these great original ideas are totally getting my interest yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I like Moses. Um, what's the actor's name? I like Moses Arias as a Razor. I think Razor is a great annoying villain, especially to Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a uh, he, he's kind of like a prick. You really don't like him, and I feel like he sells that role well. Cyrus, um, you know, 
Palau uh, gives it his all, but I felt like Cyrus was just okay as a villain. See, I thought he um, was an interesting villain, but he hmm. didn't really have any meat to his villainy. It was basically Not a lot of like meat to the bones. Yeah, right. He he was the crime boss, and it's like, okay, this is interesting. Oh, he got Nemesis's weapon. Okay, this is interesting. And then it's like, okay, what does he do? Oh, he just runs into the street and goes, "I am the new Nemesis." Oh, okay, cool movie. Thanks. That's. Okay, we're oh we're going back to Sam walking around with uh, the Samaritan and doing nothing. Oh, great! Thanks, movie. <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, and um, yeah, I, absolutely, I, I definitely agree with you. So, looking at that, right? You know, let's let's taking it a step back here. So, how did you feel? I felt like the the twist was was pretty. I felt like the twist was pretty well done. Um, it was kind of something I kind of saw coming. My wife was guessing it the whole time. Like, he's the other guy. I was like, you think so? He might be. That kind of would be a, a, a heroic thing to do to pull that switch. If all oh, the mm-hmm. villain is the hero, you know, but I was still kind of on the fence of how they were going to play it. What was your response to it? Uh, to me, I was like, okay, I like that. But at the same time, it was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting concept. Is that going to have any ramification? None whatsoever? Okay, cool, cool. Perfect. That's exactly what I was expecting from this movie. And, I mean, you also had to give the reveal the same way the movie did, where, you know, Sylvester Stallone goes, I'm not the good, or I'm not the good guy. I'm the bad guy. And... Because that's that's every line that he has in this movie where I guess they just had one reel of film and they were just like, can we get another take on that? No, we don't have enough film. Okay, I guess Sylvester Stallone's just going to go, okay, kid, you know that you can be the good guy too. You just gotta try. And it's like, what do, do we want to try and ADR this in later? No, we already used up all the budget. Okay, I guess that's how it's gonna stay now. Okay, let's <laughs> let's just keep rolling. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I never heard you do a Sylvester uh, impression before. <laughs> it's pretty spot that's on, funny. though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. You know, I walked through his life my whole life. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> hey, hey, Sylvester, should we get a new mic on Sylvester? I think something's wrong with it. Is it? No, it's ever it's actually working perfectly. It's the best mic that we have on the entire set. Really? Okay, okay. I Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, you know how in the Rocky films he goes, Mick, Mick. He in this one he goes, yeah. Sam! Sam! Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, man. It's like I feel like when they wrote the script, he's like, you know, um, I'm not the good guy, I'm the bad guy. Okay, we need something to really back this line up. Oh, he's Nemesis. Okay, great. That that gives that line breath. We'll have mm-hmm. him be a Nemesis so we can have that line in the script. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just leave it at that. Also, I, I one of the things watching this movie, every time they go, hey, what are the names of the two characters? I don't know. Let's call the good guy the Samaritan and the bad guy the Nemesis. Okay, but we'll like fill those in with real names by the time we get to like filming, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Those are placeholders. And somebody forgot to tell the filming crew that, you know, they should, you know, be ready to ADR their actual names into the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, so I, I feel like the final uh the, the final fight is pretty well done. 
And um, I like the uh, I feel like the ending is fair. It, it, it ends in a fair place. And I, I mean, at that point, there was real no tension to everything that was going on to me. Like the mm. action, it was kind of action that you would expect from, you know, this movie, considering mm. the previous action scenes. But even then, the action scenes in this were like so few and far between. By the time we got to the end, there's really only two action scenes that happened before that. The one where he's like fighting the kids and save Sam and the one where he's in the alley and the people try and attack him with the explosion, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I um, I agree with you, but I still feel like the way the film went, I, I feel like the ending's fair. I think it leaves in a fair place. Uh, I feel like the myth goes on with, you know, Sam saying, you know, Samaritan saved me. And, you know, like, I feel like the theme of the film closes strong. Like, you know, like, you know, in desperate times, people need a hero, even when that hero may not be who you think he is or she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of get that. It, it's it, it's a cutesy theme for this movie to end on and everything. But at the same time, it just it's such a weirdly almost non-deserved ending because it at one point, <laughs> Joe is about to, like, leave the city and he's just like, well, they know who I am, so I got to leave now. And he has Sam's watch. And a part of me, I, I want to just think Head Kenny goes, ah, crap, I got this kid's watch still. I should give it back to him at the very least before I leave. You know, it has nothing to do with saving him. He just wants to give the kid's watch back so he's not a thief. You know, mm. because there's really no other thing. Like, I get he has a little bit of a connection with Sam. But at the same time, every time I Sam's agree. around him, he's so annoyed by him that, mm. you know, the actual way that it should have gone out is him going, oh, he got kidnapped? Oh, finally, I don't have to listen to that little shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I think in the realm of the film, I, I took it at face value. I just said, all right, but well done. I, I feel like like solid ending, You mm. know, it fits the theme, the film did its job. And I feel like for a prime, for a film, well... I can't even like give that description anymore. A lot of great, big budget, well done, well looking films have come to streaming services. So I feel like this is a film I could probably see in theaters. Like I feel like this will be like a good date night film. You know what I mean? Nothing too serious. So you know, a nice Sylvester Stallone box office B movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I go on about my way. Um, with that being said, I give this a solid down the middle three. I think this is just a solid three. Yeah, th- this one's like a 2.5 to me. It's th- the beginning oh, has okay. some really good setup. There's, you know, an interesting idea in here and everything, but everything else around that kind of just faltered in my opinion. And mm-hmm. like a lot of the dialogue was just so cliched. There was just tropes all over the place that I was like, okay, I can tell exactly what's going to happen here. Oh, what do you know? That's exactly what happened here. And yeah, while the whole like, you know, him being nemesis caught me, I don't know if it really caught me off guard. I was like, oh, my God. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. But at the same time, they didn't do anything to lead up to that where it was like, oh, so that's what they were leading into with all this other stuff. 
they just made him grumpy old man. And if they kept him as the Samaritan, he was upset that his brother had died and somebody was donning his mask. Now it would have had the same effect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I understand. I understand. Um, all right. So when it wins out here, I mean, you know, obviously Hancock's the better one. I think Hancock's the better film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samaritan. I give Samaritan a good, nice try. I, I, I say nice try to Samaritan, but I can understand how you're like, eh, 2.5. Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just okay. And there's a lot of great concepts in there that I would love to see, like this kind of reworked and done again by somebody else and maybe done with a younger actor, a la kind of Will Smith's Hancock when he was younger and doing that one and get like a nice grizzled kind of you know, superhero movie. That would be fun again. I, I'd love to see that. But they just had to mm. figure out how to stick that landing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, all right. Now, moving on to after show, man, I got some things to, to discuss with you in regards to like the strike. One thing that happened in particular, but I, I want to start with you as to like, you know, what have you watched uh, lately? Uh, so lately, well, there's uh, Ahsoka still, which I think the last episode of Ahsoka that has aired as of this recording right now is mm. probably the best live action Star Wars TV episode to come out since they started kind of reworking things like by far. Like like even counting um, uh, like Andor and Book of Boba Mandalorian? Fett, Mandalorian, everything. It, the best episode I to come from good. everything Star Wars so far. Yeah, I, I heard it was good. I mean, like, uh, I know your boy uh, Anakin showed up again mm-hmm. and uh, everyone said it was awesome. Um, yeah, I kind of just catch my news through like, you know, Twitter and people talking about it in real time. But you said you said it was good, huh? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I don't see how this series can get any better from this point. And like this is the peak of this season or if it gets another season or this series, if they only be like a one season show uh, was this last episode. And I'm absolutely okay with that, knowing that that was the peak, because I can't imagine any way that they can make it get any better from here. I love how. What, what, I love what one person said on Twitter. I, listen, I don't call it X. All right. I call it Twitter. It's I'm Twitter. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm old school. I call it. I call it Twitter. Um, I love what one guy said on there. He said uh, he says, I love how Dave Filoni just minds his business. Mm-hmm. He just writes his Star Wars projects. He doesn't care what people say on social media. He's like, look, this, these are the stories here. If you like them, you don't. If you like them, you do. If you don't, you don't. I'm, I'm still going to write my Star Wars stuff. Yeah, well, I th- I can't remember if it was on uh, YouTube or Instagram, whatever, but there was a thing going over like a skit of like Dave Filoni and George Lucas talking and creating like clone words. And they're like, and we'll have this entire thing where you'll start to get attached to the clones, knowing that eventually they'll turn on the Jedi. And then we'll introduce new characters that, you know, are going to die by the end and everything. And... Then it just shows like the credits mm. roll and them staring at the couch or sitting on the couch and staring and going, we went too far, didn't we? Yeah, we went too far. We should have pulled it back. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, man, that's funny. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. 
Um, yeah, I'm not too into the the, the whole the whole Star Wars lore. Um, I'm not too well versed in it. I should say. Mm. I haven't like read any of the in-between books or I haven't watched the cartoons. Uh I, I mean to eventually. I will have time. Um, but you know, I just know two of the strongest creative forces I see right now behind well, three of the strongest creative forces I see right now behind the whole universe is like Dave, uh John Favreau, mm-hmm. and Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. Yeah, and uh I, I'm really excited to kind of see where they go with future things because Right now we have a couple series that are kind of like mysteriously in the future, but we don't have full details on them. And, you know, Lando just got announced to be a film. Is that moving to a film again now? Yeah, it just got announced. Yeah. Okay, good. So that went from being a movie to a show to a show being run by different people to a movie again now. I wonder how long before it becomes a show again. Some stuff ain't really meant to be a show, though. Like some things I noticed, like some stuff is like, like you told me, Obi-Wan Kenobi should have been a movie, right? That one should have stayed a movie. There was no reason for that to be turned into a Disney Plus TV series. I understand. I understand. Um, Yeah, for sure. So what I wanted to bring up to you was, oh, strike news. You've been uh, paying attention to this Drew Barrymore story? Oh, God. With her starting her show back up and being like, well, look, we're not going to hire any writers to do it, so we're not going against a strike. It's like, yeah, but your entire show relies on writers. So by doing the show without writers, you're making a statement that writers aren't important to the industry. And yeah, that whole thing is terrible. There was one other person that was starting their show back up that everybody was getting mad at as well. I'm trying to remember who it was. So, so far it was her and then it was Bill Maher. Bill Maher, Um, yes. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) some people were just like, I'm not the biggest fan of Bill Maher personally, but I do see the allure of him. I think he is funny. Like some Mm -hmm. scenes I've seen of him, I thought I think are pretty funny, but the best thing about Bill Maher is that, you know, his witty topics and stuff come from writers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, it's from a writer. People, a lot, I know a lot of people say, eh, Bill Maher off the cuff ain't as funny as when Bill Maher has a structure. So I don't know how that's going to last. And uh, plus, you know, the main thing is like, you know, you're looked at as a scab, right? You're, you're yeah. crossing the picket line and, you know, you're, you're not you're not supportive to the cause uh, and to the hardworking people that bring this to life. So I was a little biased. Through, I, I was indifferent uh, a, a little bit, but I was a, I was a little biased towards Drew because I love Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know her from Adam, but I, I love a lot of stuff Drew is in. Like I, I, I like her as an actress and as a as a personality. So I was kind of like, yeah, that's messed up. But it's like I can't stay mad at Drew. But like then it then it kind of made me. I, I then I kind of had to like back myself into the corner a little bit when she came out with the apology video. Oh that God, kinda, yeah. That kind. Listen, I don't know what it is. Like I, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever come out with a good apology video. I think statements are better off when you do a video. You you just come off. It comes off worse. Like like when Ashton Kutcher and me uh me Mila Kunis 
uh, defended uh, Danny Masterson recently, and they came out with their apology video that looks like that looked like a hostage video. Yeah. Well, more Did or less. Yeah. And the best part about their video is if you actually like pay attention to what they're saying, they're like, yeah, those letters we wrote weren't supposed to be public. So, you know, shame on you for reading them. And we were just backing up our friend and we weren't saying anything about the rapes that he committed. Just that he's a good guy, you know, it's like you're not helping at all. (laughs) You're you're making this so much worse. Not one empathetic word to the victims. Right. It's just like, why? Who who approved this? Yeah. Like, you know. Well, no, they said that they standed with the victims while they said that their best friend, Danny Masterson, is a great guy. Oh, they said that. Okay, well, I, I stand corrected. I yeah. stand corrected. <laughs> All right, so I feel like those videos kind of remind me of that moment in Barry where uh, <laughs> uh, Sarah Goldberg's character, I forgot what her name was in the show, but um, uh, she, she releases that video when she explained where she she went off on uh, her former assistant who became a showrunner and became a, had a successful show. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a uh, it was kind of like an apology video that wasn't really an apology video. Right. That's why I felt like what I saw with these, like, you know, with Drew Braymore's video kind of made it worse. And then I want to say not hours passed by where she just decided, hey, uh, psych, just kidding. We're not bringing the show back. I I hear you now. I'm, I'm not I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, it's not so much an apology video of like, I'm sorry about my actions. It's more I'm sorry I got caught or I'm sorry you didn't agree with what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was damage control. Her her not bringing the show back was damage control. But I feel like this is one of those things I think people are going to like kind of forget about with time. Like like I said, it, at least he's not bringing the show back anymore. I don't have I like Drew personally, but I can understand people going like, you know, hey, that was a crappy thing to, to even like attempt to do. See, I will agree that in the public opinion, it's going to be forgotten very quickly. The people right. that are not going to forget about it are going to be the writers and the people that are right now striking as when they get the invites to go on her show when everything's done. You know, those are the people that are going to remember and go, no, I'm I'm not going to go on her show for an interview. Or, yeah, no, I'm going to go start working for Conan instead of going back to my writer's position at the Drew Barrymore show. Like, those are the people that are going to remember, and that's what's going to hurt her. The court of public opinion is going to forget about this in like two or three weeks. Uh, you know, you know, Conan's off the air, right? Yeah, but he has his podcast and he also has a show on HBO coming. Oh, OK. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because um, he left TBS to start a show with HBO that was going to be more of like his travel series that he would do a TBS, except it's like going to fully be like that travel series instead of like a talk show. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. Um, dude, I think you can always get new writers. Well, when the strike is over, I think you can always get new writers. I don't, I don't feel like that's going to hurt the show. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the future, what the future yeah. holds. I mean, I think Drew Barrymore is a great host. She's very friendly, very uh, extroverted. So I don't know if the show is going to suffer. It's not like the Ellen DeGeneres problem where you're a dick. Oh I don't yeah, think Drew is. A- yeah, I don't think she's an a-hole. She just made a bad decision. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll obviously see. But yeah, when it comes to like the people that are going to remember this, I think it's going to be the writers and the actors that are currently striking that when they see like 
or come up as an invite of like, hey, do you want to come on this show? They might think twice about it. You know, obviously she'll still be able to find people to come on and everything like that. But, you know, every once in a while, I'm willing to bet that they'll lose an interview with, you know, Bradley Cooper or, you know, somebody else that is pitching a new movie or anything like that. And they'll go, no, I'm just going to stick with like the Jimmy's of tonight shows. Hmm. Yeah, got you, got you. So, in other news, I think the AMPTP had agreed to sit down with the writers for another meeting mm-hmm. on uh, Tuesday or so, or something like that, right? I, I believe so. It's it's coming up somewhere, but apparently, most of the studios there, part of that, you know, group, are ready to like sign the terms and everything. It's just a couple companies that are holding out. Uh, one of them being Disney, of course. Wow, that sucks. But hopefully that uh, they'll come up and actually do something soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As far as movies coming up, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, I'm going to check out the creator. Um, Any movies you're looking forward to coming out this month or anything that kind of strikes your eye? So I know that we have a couple coming up that... I keep forgetting are coming. Like we have Aquaman is actually still coming later this year. We have Aquaman, the the chicken run sequel, which I'm oddly like excited for, because I remember watching chicken run. I love that kind of animation style, the claymation kind of stuff like the Wallace and Gromit. So seeing a sequel for that coming out of nowhere is like, okay, I can get behind that. I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to see that. And yeah, but at the same time, like, immediate future i know there's the gamestop stock movie that i just want to see it to see how badly hollywood butchers that story dumb money yes dumb money i hear it's pretty good uh, is it actually getting good reviews yeah yeah i i, I hear people have been like complimenting it okay but uh yeah so that's something that i'll probably wait until streaming i don't need to rush to the theater to see that one for sure Mm, okay gotcha gotcha um yeah i heard i I heard that might be good so what did you feel about the i I didn't catch it yet what did you feel about the aquaman trailer the aquaman trailer i'll be honest i it's hard for me to get excited for dc movies right now because we still have this weird thing where it's like well all the movies that are coming out right now don't really matter or they might not matter or who knows what counts and what doesn't because of the whole thing with James Gunn's upcoming reboot revival and everything. Because Flash was supposed to like set the line where it's like, okay, here's what is what. And it's like, that didn't do it. Blue Beetle mm. is in that gray area where it's like, okay, is that a part of the new or is it part of the old? Because it references stuff from the old, but apparently he's coming over to the new, maybe, depending on how well it does. And then Aquaman 2 is like, okay, so that's the end of the old, right? Or is it falling into the new? Like, where, what am I supposed to get excited for? I don't understand where any of these movies take place now. So it's hard for me to get excited about seeing them. Mm. Wow, so you're just so focused on like, look, what's the continuity here that you don't even care what's in front of you? The biggest problem is a lot of these movies are now structured that it's like, here's 
you know, yes, it's the Aquaman movie, but it's really episode four of this giant cinematic movie lineup that if you don't watch it, you're going to be confused when you go to see Wonder Woman 2, which is episode five. And it where it kind of falls into this thing where it's like, okay, I know that this they don't make movies to be standalone fun movies anymore. They make movies to be setups for future movies. And I never that's kind of what Aquaman was. It was a setup for future movies more than it was its own movie. It's that's how the Flash was. That's how Justice League was. Batman v Superman. You know, they these aren't movies to be like, oh man, I'm going to go back and watch Batman v Superman again. No, it goes, well, I'll, I'll watch it after I watch Man of Steel and then I'll get into Justice League and Suicide Squad and everything like that. Mm. Dude, I never I never knew you became one of those people. I thought you was, because uh, this is exactly how I feel. Everything is like so continuity based now. It's like, I never knew you was one of the people that felt like, dude, I don't want to watch so-and-so to un- I don't want to watch this film as a chapter five to understand what happens later in chapter 11. See, it it gets to that point when it's something that I don't care about seeing already. But a lot of the things like Spider-Man, I don't care if I understand what happened before this movie or after and stuff like that. I want to see Spider-Man movie. I'm going to always be excited right. about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, at the same time. Was I excited to see Doctor Strange 2? Yeah, of course I was, because I love the Doctor Strange stories and everything. You mm. know, was I excited to watch WandaVision? Not so much, but at the same time, we didn't have anything new coming up from Marvel for a long time before that came out. So it was like, oh, it's good to see these characters again. Uh, Black I mean, Widow. I didn't really care about Black Widow's character, so her story just didn't matter to me. But at the same time, I knew that dead. that you too. <laughs> She was dead. I, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like Scar Joe, but it's like, dog, you you gone. Like, why, why why do I care about what happened to you in the past? Right. But it was more this a setup a for, you know, the Red Guardian and Yelena as the new Black Widow. That That's what the movie was. It wasn't about Black Widow. It was about, look at these new characters that are going to be in future things. So watch this one so you understand where they came from. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's insanity. And... Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like you 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 watch these things because you like the characters, but it's like if Paul Rudd wasn't an Ant Man and if he didn't have enough charisma, would we really give a shit about Ant Man? Right. Yeah, because you know I I, mean? I love the Ant Man movies, but it's because of Paul Rudd. It's not so much because I'm going, oh, I want to see an Ant Man movie. It's more. Paul Rudd is a fantastic actor, and he's going to make these movies very fun. Peyton Reed is great at directing these movies. He makes them very fun. Originally, Edgar Wright wrote the script for the first one, so I was very excited about it, and I still wanted to see it. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Yeah, but I I hear what you're saying, man, and and I hope things get better. Uh, It seems like we're in this kind of for the long haul, the way things are structured now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. All right, y'all. It's been another great episode of DFV. Um, See you on the next one. Don't forget to, you know, watch great movies. Uh, Take care.